Toasted Fiction Theatre presents a no-nonsense production of Parahandi. With a red beard, a hard, round felt hat, ridiculously out of harmony with a blue pilot's jacket and trousers, and a seaman's jersey. With his hands immersed deeply in those pockets our grandfathers used to wear behind a front flap. He would have attracted one's notice even if he had not been singing a long-forgotten sea song. Young Monroe, he had an ocean thought to sail across the sea. By that sign. And he left his true love weeping all alone in Grookey. that sign. And by a curious gesture he had, as if he were now and then going to scratch his ear, and only determined not to do it when his hand was up, one could tell that he was one of Macfarlane's. There were ten Macfarlane's, all men. A passer-by might say to the vocalist in the hard hat, I think you ought to know you. You're the McFarlane. Either the beacon or the kale or the nipper or keep dark or para-handy. Oh, sure as death, I'm just para-handy. And I ken your name fine. I, I just can't mind your face. Para-handy might then regale one with tales of the most uncertain steam lighter or puffer that ever kept the old new year in upper lock wine. The smartest boat in the trade have sailed for, for four years over twenty with my heart in my mouth for fear of her boiler. Oh, if you ever saw Fatal Spark, she's all hold with boiler behind. Three men and the engineer are the crew of her. Oh man, she is a beauty, she is just sublime. She should carry nothing but gentry for passengers, but the owners just spoil her and rub the paint off her with their cargoes of coals and sand and windstone and rubbish like that. Is it not common knowledge in the West Coast shipping trade that her boiler is apt to prime? That's a damned lie. Her boiler never primed more than once a month. If Doogie was here, he would tell you himself. She could go like the clappers. I have heard it put at five knots. Five knots? Show me the man who says five knots and I'll make him swallow the hatches. Six knots. Six knots, many the time, between Skate and the Otter. And if Doogie was here, he would tell you himself. But I'm not bragging about her sailing. It's her looks, man. She was smart. Every time she was painted and tarred, I would put on my Sunday clothes. She looked just sublime. The intrepid mariner might, if the audience were attentive, and whiskey was in plentiful supply, tell one of the many tales of his voyages. Before passing on these tales, it is important to know the crew. Doogie, the mate. Sonny Jim, the cook and winchman. And MacPhail, the chief and only engineer. The baker's little widow. On the night after New Year's Day, 
the captain did a high-spirited thing that he had done on the corresponding day for the previous six years. He had his hair cut, ear trimmed by Doogie, the mate, took all of the tar out of his hands by copious applications of salt butter, wound up his watch, which was never honoured in this way more than once or twice a twelvemonth, and went up the quay to propose to the baker's widow, Mrs Crawford. It was one of the rare occasions that Para Handy wore a top coat and envied MacPhail his Cairngorm scarf pin. There was little else to suggest the ardent wooer, for ardent wooers do not look as solemn as Para Handy looked. The truth was he was becoming afraid that his persistency might wear down a heart of granite, and that this time the lady might accept him. Perahande thought the crew of the Vital Spark quite ignorant of his tender passion for the baker's widow. However, he was forgetting that MacPhail, the engineer, was a great student of penny novelettes, and he was up to all the intrigues of love. He says he's going to take tea with his cousin. As if captains take the tar off their horns to visit their own cousins. Oh, I hate them tea parties. Just a way of wasting the new year. If it wasn't that I would vex my cousin, I would stay here and play catch the ten with you boys. <laughs> but uh, stay here and I'll come back as soon as ever I can. Bring back some buns or cookies or biscuits, will you? Oh, what do, what do you mean? Oh, nothing, Peter, nothing at all. It's only likely you'll have more of them than you can eat. It's your cousin's tea party. Reassured that his secret was still safe, Perahande went slowly up the quay. As he went, he stopped a moment to exchange a genial word with everybody he met, as if time was of no importance. This was because, dressed as he was, if he walked quickly and was not particularly civil to everyone, then the whole of Campbelltown, which is a very observant place, would suspect that he was up to something and watch him. The widow's shop was at a conveniently quiet corner. He tapped back and forth several times until a customer who was being served had come out. He then cleared his throat unbuttoned his top coat to show his watch chain and slid as gently as he could through the shop door. Dear me, fancy seeing you, Captain McFarlane. Is it really yourself? His heart beat wildly. He looked at her sideways with a timid eye, for she was more irresistible than ever. She was little, plump, smiling, rosy-cheeked, neat in dress, and just the exact age to make the captain think he was young again. A good new year to you, Widow Crawford. I was just going up the tune and I thought I would give you a roar in the going by. Are you keeping tip-top, Mary? Well, you know, come then and arm yourself. It's a nasty damn light. The widow pushed back the door and Perahande got the most tempting vision of an interior with firelight dancing in it, a genial lamp and a table set for tea. 
I'll just sit June and draw my breath a minute or two. You'll be busy. Perahair and he rode into the back room with an elephantine attempt, which she skillfully evaded, had playfully put in his arm around the widow's waist. <laughs> oh, you're daft as ever, I see, Captain. I was just making myself a cup of tea. Will you take one? Oh, it's putting you to bother. He whipped out a cup, which was suspiciously handy, and told the captain to take off his coat to get the good of it when he went out. The widow, briskly making tea, smiling on him, shaking her head at him, surrounding him with an intoxicating atmosphere of homeliness, comfort, and cuddleability, seemed to Parahandi to be the most angelic creature on earth. The rain could be heard falling gently outside. No customers were coming in, and the back room of the baker's shop was, in Parahandi's opinion, as fine an earthly makeshift for paradise a man could wish for. That minds me. I have a kind of bottle of scent here, a friend of mine uh, by the name of Hurricane Jack sent home to me from America. It's real Florida water, nor the like of it to be got here. And if you put the least sensation of it on your hanky, you'll feel the smell of it a mile away. It is just sublime. Oh, it's so kind of you. The widow beamed at him with the merriest, brownest, deepest, meltingest of eyes and let her plump little fingers linger a moment on his as she took the perfume bottle. The captain felt as if golden harps were singing in the air, and fairies were tickling him down the back with peacock's feathers. Ah, oh, Mary, this is splendid tea, capital altogether. Dancing. Captain, is it only my tea you come to pay compliments to once a year? Tea, good tea's common enough if you're willing to pay for it. What do you think of myself? The captain neatly edged his chair round the corner of the table to get it close beside hers, and she just as neatly edged her chair round the other corner, leaving their relative positions exactly as they had been. No, no, Captain. Hounds off the widow. I'm a done old woman. It was very good of you to come and have tea with me. But I always thought that sailors with a sweetheart, as they say, in every port, could say nice things to cheer up a lonely female heart. What we women need, Captain, the real necessity of our lives, is someone to love us even if he's at the other end of the world, and unlikely to ever be any nearer. It makes the day cheery. But what about having a boot? He said with a delicious, cosy, melting, musical sigh that bewitchingly heaved her blouse. <laughs> Nobody cares for me. I am too old. Too old? You're not a day over fifty, you're just sublime. 
39 pass to be particular. <clears throat> I feel like 20. Oh, Captain, Captain, you men. Mary, call me Peter and give me a hold of your horn. This time, he edged his chair around quicker than she did hers and captured her fingers. Now that he had them, he didn't know what to do with them, but decided, after a little, that a cute thing to do was to pull them one by one and try to make them crack. He did so and got slapped on the ear for his pains. Oh, that's, a, that's just a bore, Mary, just... Oh. Ah, oh, Mary, you're strong, strong. Well, you'd make a sublime wife for any sober, decent, good-looking, capable man. You would make a fine wife for a sailor, not naming any names, mind you, but... Uh... Here, he winked in a manner that seemed to obliterate one complete side of his face. Ah, they call me Peter, eh? What? Nobody would have me. I'm old, well, kind of old, and, and plain, and I have no money. Money? The man I'm thinking of does not want one docking for money. And you're no more old than I am myself. And as for being plain, well, just look at the lovely polka you have on and the redness of your face. Oh, if Dougie was here, he would tell... No. <laughs> no, <laughs> don't mention a cheap to Doogie, <laughs> not a cheap. He would only suspect something. This is the sixth time of asking, Captain. You must have your mind dreadfully far made up. But is it only the new year I see you? I'm afraid you're like all sailors. When you're away, you'll forget all about me. Stretch your horn and have another London bun. London buns is no cure for my case. The captain took one, nonetheless. I, 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 hope, I hope you'll say yes this time. I'll, I'll think about it. And if you're passing this way next New Year and call in, I'll let you know. The crew of the Vital Spark waited on deck for the return of the skipper. Long before he came in sight, they heard him singing cheerfully to himself. Rolling home to Bonnie Scotland, rolling home dear land to thee, rolling home to Bonnie Scotland, rolling home across the sea. Your cousin's tea party over already? Was there many ate it? Oh, seven or eight. I just came away and I'm feeling just sublime. One of Britain's hardy sons. With that, he went down below, hung up his top coat and his watch, and took off his collar. He thought to himself, Mary's the right sort. She's not going ram-stam into the business. She's cautious, like myself. Maybe next New Year she'll make up her mind. And the widow, putting up her shutters that night, hummed cheerfully to herself. <laughs> <laughs> and looked quite happy. She thought to herself, I wish I'd called him Peter. Next time, I'll not be so timid. You have been listening to as the narrator and MacPhail, 
Yours truly, Kevin Janitz. As passerby, Doogie the Mate, Sonny Jim, and Mrs. Crawford, Callum McVitie, and as the Master Mariner himself, Para Handy, Stuart Phillips. This episode of Toast's Fiction Theatre was adapted and produced by No Nonsense Productions from a story by Neil Monroe and was performed by Kevin Janitz, Callum McVitie and Stuart Phillips. Please check out No Nonsense Productions on Twitter and Facebook at No Nonsense Pro and check out their website www.nononsenseproductions.co.uk And now for the bit that everybody loves at the end of a podcast. This series of the podcast is produced by series creator Chris Patrick, that's me, and Ross Patrick. Yes, we are related. You can subscribe to Toasted Fiction Theatre on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts, and we host the podcast on Anchor FM. Please support the show by subscribing, sharing the podcast with your friends, or leaving us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts. Any review, any rating really helps boost the podcast and get it in front of more people. You can also help support the show through our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Toasted Fiction Theatre. Just chuck a pound in. If everybody chucks a pound in, that would be grand and it means we can um, keep producing the series um, and keep bringing you more episodes and different kinds of stories and we'll put towards doing live shows when we can do live shows again. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Toasted Fiction Theatre. And you can get in touch with us via email on toastedfictiontheatre at gmail.com. For more information on Toasted Fiction Theatre and other work by Chris Patrick, still me, including books and sketches, for which there are plenty, head to www.chrispatrickwriter.com. There's a bunch of books on there. There's loads of sketches. Um, anything that I do will be on the website. And if you enjoy that stuff, that's great. Thank you very much. Um, and you can you can enjoy it all there. So that's it for this episode of Toasted Fiction Theatre. Thank you for listening, and till next time.